Welcome back to the Visionary Life Podcast. If you're new here, hi, I'm Kelsey, and I am the founder of Visionary Life. In this community, we chat about peak health, living an inspired life, and all things entrepreneurship. Every day, I strive to live out my own most visionary life while helping others to do the same. Visionaries are creative, driven, and energetic, and we are living a life full of want-tos and not have-tos. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Visionary Life. I'm so excited about today's guest and I know you're going to love our conversation together. Laura and I connected online through doTERRA and although we don't directly work with one another, we both live in Toronto, have similar interests, uh, both have a zest for adventure and choosing unique career paths and our journeys into network marketing are actually very similar. I knew I had to have Laura on the show, so even though we had actually never met in person, I invited her over to my place here to get to know each other, and why not do it right on the podcast? So Laura has a PhD in epigenetics, and she's got a doctorate of naturopathy. It's a hard word to say. But a few years ago, she heard the call of Dr. Heal Thyself, and she radically changed her mind, body, and life. Now you'll find her drooling over crystals, writing novels, and igniting sparks of luminosity. She believes in breaking the status quo, that we have the right to empowered health, nourished bodies, and clear minds and that you don't need a million university degrees or qualifications to make that happen. Laura believes that community trumps competition, that raising the vibration of the planet one person at a time is important. She believes it's our inherent right to shine, and that when we do, we take the whole world with us. Most days, you can find Laura working barefoot in her cozy apartment, surrounded by books and covered in cat hair. She loves early morning coffee, late evening wine, sappy romance movies, and the power of a good daydream. Oh my gosh, you guys, this girl is literally my spirit visionary. If I could manifest the perfect definition of someone who is living a visionary life, Laura Hughes is truly it. So with that said, let's dive right into our interview. So welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast, Laura. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So just to set the scene for the listeners, um, Laura and I had actually never met before (laughs) hitting record today, so... This is awesome. I love the power of, I guess, social media in a way brought us together and our shared love of natural health. And so we've connected uh, for about the past six months online through our mutual communities. But yeah, we're sitting here at my apartment in Roncesvalles and just hanging out on the couch and just very grateful for our shared interests that would bring us together today to record. So I wanted to have you on the podcast because I feel as though you have a really unique story and through your life course and all the schooling that you've done, 
you've chosen a very visionary path. And I think there's a lot that we'll be able to dig in with today. And um, yeah, I can't wait to zoom the lens back and get to know you better <laughs> since this is our first time hanging out. Um, so did you grow up in Toronto? I did. I grew up in Scarborough, actually. Um, and spent a lot of time at the beach because my grandparents were living in the beach or the beaches. I never know what to call it. Um, and I live there now again. I just love it. I love living by the water. I'm a Toronto girl at heart. Yeah. I was away for a long time, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I recognized through a lot of your online posts that you do a lot of traveling. So do you see yourself traveling more in the future? Or are you feeling rooted in Toronto right now? It's funny. I, I in the past, I always wanted to be away. Like, as soon as I could, I left Toronto. Um, I felt this pull to Europe. I thought Europe was so wonderful and exotic and civilized. And the longer I'm home, the less I want to leave. Like, mm -hmm. I do get these pulls away. You know, I love nature and the ocean, and I want to go places and meet people. But the, the more I grow, the more I just want to be here mm -hmm. in Toronto. Yeah, I've had like similar experiences. Dave and I spent about a year and a half living in Europe and loved it so, so much. But we're feeling really good here in Toronto at the moment. And we're definitely like the we could pick up and leave anytime yeah. type people. And we want that. But at the same time, sometimes you feel really comfortable in a good way. Not comfortable to the fact that I'm bored with my life, but that I enjoy having some things and some possessions and routines and so I totally get yeah. that you still crave adventure but and roots just like having somewhere to call home yeah, yeah exactly it is so nice to walk home after a day's work and just be like oh I have my bed and you know when you're traveling sometimes you don't have these luxuries so so okay so you're in Toronto now and with your work, you are working from home, like out of a home office, is that right? Yeah, I do have a co-working space just because, you know, you work at home, you're alone all day, I'm sure you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I could go the whole day, like you're talking to people online, like I do a lot of stuff online, I do a lot of writing, so I'm in my head a lot or talking in my head a lot, but I'm not actually using my voice to talk to people. Yeah. So it can be the end of the day and I realize that I haven't talked all day, so that's that's hard. But mm -hmm. so yeah, I have the co-working co space. Um, at a really high vibe place just downtown Toronto and then I do do most of my stuff at home just because yeah. it took us a long time to find our condo I love it it's really light and bright it's right on the beach awesome. um, so I can leave and walk on the boardwalk or you know pop out to the coffee shop or whatever so mm -hmm. yeah I again similar I felt like when I transitioned to my business full-time and I was working from home at first I loved it and then I felt the need to have connection again and talk to people throughout the day. And even to the littlest thing of like having to get out and leave the home and have two separate places, right? My home is where I can relax. And, you know, my shared workspace now is where I go to like get stuff get done. done. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I'll have to dig in and we can chat after the episode about where you're currently co-working because yeah. there's so many wonderful spaces in Toronto now and they keep popping up I'm realizing there's a lot of demand for shared workspaces so it's nice to see that yeah people are, are craving that in-person connection you know as much as social media is great for keeping us feeling not alone when we're at our home office I still think the face-to-face -face is important yeah and just like if you're if you aspire to have this visionary life and you aspire to make your dreams come true um, surrounding yourself with people who believe in you, who are also doing not necessarily the same work, but 
just believe that that life is possible, mm-hmm. um, it just changes the whole energy of your work. Yes. I, I love the people I meet at my co-working space. You're right, because they are visionary. They're all doing something that's a bit off the beaten path. Some of them have actually gone to work in Thailand for six month, months at co-working communities. A lot of them have their own businesses. And I think it's a really cool roster of people to connect yourself with, with because unlike a traditional workspace where you're working like in a pod of human resource people and a pod of marketing people, we get to surround ourselves with just a whole whack of talent. So yeah, it's really awesome. And so is that how you stay inspired to get your work done? Is that getting out of the house for you? Um, no, <laughs> I had to think about this question. I, you kind of prepped me for, for a couple questions, but I, you know, it's hard to wake up every morning inspired. I'm not going to lie. Like I have a vision. I know what I want to create, but it's still work every single day. And I think that's a misconception. If you love your job and people can see that and feel that from you, that it's effortless and it's not <laughs> like every single day. I've had to give myself a little routine and I have to force myself to stay in it. So um, it's, it's been getting into the habit of doing that and having the rituals around that, that, that help me get things done. Hmm. I'm so glad that you're honest about that because I feel similar. I think people think as business owners, we are just like, you know, wake up every morning and think, I have a million creative ideas that I'm going to act on today. But often there is a gap and it's a lot of work to stay inspired and to ensure that you are getting the stuff done that you need to every day. So for you, what are a few key rituals or tools that you have to incorporate for it to be a productive day? Yeah, so I have my playlist. So I have a playlist every morning on Spotify. it hasn't got old yet. It is one playlist. I just keep adding to it. Is it like a custom playlist? It's a custom or... playlist. Yeah, I realized recently that you could link your Shazam, which is like that app that you can like, you know, if you hear a song you like, it picks it up. You can link it to Spotify, and I find that my Shazam songs are those songs that I'm out and about, and I hear it. And I'm like, oh my god, this is hitting me like right in the heart. Like, what is this? So just like super high energy or high vibe music. Um, my morning coffee, like I just believe in investing in really good coffee um I'm a coffee drinker and my oils like I you know we both are in doTERRA we love essential oils and I really believe in the power of plant medicine and Mm. um they just they force me to become present and to take that five minutes to pick my oils put them in the diffuser clean my air start breathing so those are the the kind of the things I do to start my day right away Mm -hmm. and then I don't check email I don't check messages until nine o'clock just because I really believe in grounding my own energy first and as soon as like I have I have probably 3,000 emails in my e- inbox right now some of them don't need to be answered but it's just so overwhelming and mm-hmm. as soon as I start emailing people back I just lose my my whole train of thought so yeah it's so funny I feel the exact same especially about the coffee like having an amazing cup of coffee getting the diffuser blend going having good music like we are creating the vibes of our home right and if it is our workspace for the day, it needs to be at the highest energy, right? Because if you've got big ideas, you need that space to reflect what you're about to create. And yes, as a fellow essential oil lover, we both know the power that you know they can have in shifting your day or your mood. What would be your go-to blend on a morning you wake up and you just want to like up your vibration or get a bit more inspired? That is a really great question. Um, 
I love cardamom right now. Mm, I have no idea why. Different. Love it with wild orange. So like it's always wild orange with something. Um, so right now I'm on a cardamom wild orange kick. But yeah, wild orange just seems to be my trigger, my like that positive anchor to like, okay, you're working now. Like turn it on. Mm-hmm. Turn your brain on, turn your heart on. Um, it's my morning, my morning yeah. oil. Yeah. 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 Cardamom was actually one that last year, I think it was in the springtime, I found myself really drawn to it and I was using it every day and I ended up looking it up in the spirituality and essential oils book and what I read through that book really resonated with me at the time. So anyways, it was just kind of one of those things where you can't figure out why it is that you're loving this smell. But after a little bit of digging, I realized that I needed that oil at that moment. So it's always cool to see which essential oils you're drawn to or which ones you... I love, like I experienced it for the first time, not the oil, but the spice in India. It was in India a couple of years ago. And as soon as I smelled it in the bottle, I was like, oh my God, this is like from that dessert in India. So it takes me back just to like a really good time. And it's really like nutritive to the lungs. So again, helping with breathing and just, I don't breathe. Like I'm working on that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. Very cool. So with all of your education and schooling, which we're going to dive into and make sure that the Mm -hmm. listeners get a good grasp of, you know, where it is you've been over the past 10 years, but your home probably has tons of books in it, and I love books as well. Dave actually makes me put them in our storage spaces here because, you know, they can start to clog up the home, but I'm wondering what are your top books that you would recommend for someone looking to implement a positive change in their life or get inspired? Are there any books that you go to? That's a great question. Um, I have so many books, so for me, like, it, it can come down to a novel, just there's certain novels, like, I love reading because it just transports me different places, so I have those, those books that I just love to revisit, but in terms of, um, and again, books are so personal. They really are, yeah, yeah. So or I, one that, I don't know, has made a positive impact on your life. Yeah, so I have this book, it's old, it's from the mid 2000s like my high school boyfriend gave it to me and it's by the lonely planet and it's just it's like a coffee table book but it's two like every two pages is from a different country on earth you might have seen it Mm -hmm. if you travel yeah and you can just kind of flip it open and it's huge it's this huge book and just here's some random person in that country's story and I just it just reminds me of human connection and what we're here to accomplish as humans but again I the past 10 years I've been down this massive self-help spirituality journey so there's a few books that I reach for when I need a little pick-me-up. So like um, like The Big Leap was one by Gay Hendricks. Yeah. Leveraging the Universe. Um, just really like motivational. Brings me back out of my head, out of my angst. Reminding me that, you know, we create our own thoughts. We create our own reality from our thoughts. And mm-hmm. just that reminder, that, that anchor for that. Awesome. And I know that you have been down a pretty big self-help journey. I think you at one point said you referred to yourself as a self-help junkie yes. at one point in your life. <laughs> this is something I can totally relate to. It's like I was consumed with it and still very much am. Um, so where are you at in the world of self-help right now? And have you pulled back from being a self-help junkie or what's going on today? Yep, I've definitely pulled back. I definitely, I hit it hard. I'm a researcher at heart. I love to learn and I kind of just fell into this trap of wanting, thinking I needed to know everything before I could start. And I I kind of hit this point where I realized that unless I was taking action on what I wanted to accomplish, 
none of the self-help was doing anything for me. And it was ironic that the more action I took, the more I found I didn't need all that stuff as much because I was living it. So I've definitely learned that everything I want to create is, is within me and I'm the only one that can do it. So I definitely still have mentors that I reach out to and there's people that I definitely want to work with, but I, I don't obsess about it as much. I don't feel the need to invest in it as much. Mm-hmm. I've kind of just transitioned my yeah. energy. Yeah, I um I found at one point in the last few months I was not leaving any white space in my life and I am podcast obsessed and have been listening to them for as long as I can remember since they've come out and you know I would get home and turn on my podcast and I would go take my dog for a walk, turn on a podcast, be on transit, podcast, driving, podcast. And what I recognized through that is that yes, it is helping me so much, but Um, I didn't have any quiet space for my ideas to come to the surface. And that's when I realized that I was self-helping too much. And I wasn't actually just letting myself be and think and enjoy quiet time so that the real ideas could come to me. Yeah. And so when I kind of read through that with you, I I thought you could probably relate to that too. And maybe there is a boundary of there being too much self-help. Especially, I I kind of went, my track was like down this whole thing about manifestation and positive thinking and creating your own reality and abundance. And um, you start to think there's something wrong with you because if it's not happening for you. So yeah, just kind of had to step back from it and, Mm -hmm. and understand that it's a journey. It's, it's not going to happen overnight. And I had to put the work in. That's what it came down to for me. Yeah. And speaking of journeys, so I want to talk about your incredible roster of schooling. (laughs) So you have a PhD in epigenetics, you are a doctor of naturopathic medicine, and you've got publications, dozens of them in international scientific journals. So can you just zoom the lens back? Maybe Mm -hmm. let's start with your undergrad before your PhD. Um, what was your vision going into school? Did you know you were going to do this amount of post-grad education? I, I knew I wanted to be a vet. So back in the day, I wanted to be a veterinarian. So I went to the University of Guelph um, with that intention. And, you know, I was, always, I was always good at school. I loved English. I loved art. I loved science. And my parents are just of the generation. Like, bless them. They, they did their best. I love them so much. Um, kind of pushed me down the science track thinking that, that was going to guarantee me a good job and a good future and a safe future. So when it came time to apply for university, it was always going to be science. It was never going to be anything on the more artistic side. And that was fine with me because I wanted to be a veterinarian. So I went through four years at Guelph and, you know, killed myself to get the good marks to get into vet school and then didn't get in. Oh my God. So (laughs) pivotal moment, pivotal moment. Yeah. And then it's like, what do you do? And that's all you ever wanted to do. Um, and you could apply again, of course. There's, I could have done it again, but my ego took a huge beating because, um, as I said, I was always good at stuff. I wasn't used to failing. That was my plan. And I decided that um, I, I wasn't going to apply again. I decided to do my master's instead. Um, and then it was during the course of my master's degree at Guelph that I had an opportunity to go to Europe, to the Netherlands, and do another master's <laughs> degree. So that's kind of how I ended up over there. And it just kind of spiraled out of control from there. So um, 
loved, as I said, had this love affair with Europe. I, th- I was kind of, you know, growing up in Toronto, I, you know, Toronto 10, 15 years ago wasn't what it is today. I felt it was boring, you know, all my friends were boring, <laughs> you know, I, I felt trapped. So when I ended up in the Netherlands and was offered this chance to get paid to do my PhD and paid to live in this place with, you know, 700 years old with wine and cheese and bikes and like hot guys with accents and the opportunity to travel every weekend, I just jumped on it. So it actually wasn't so much the act of doing the PhD that inspired me to stay. It was not knowing what I wanted to come home to and having mm-hmm. that opportunity to live this life I thought was going to be so magical. Yeah. What a cool experience too. And, um, yeah, I just think you got to embrace those moments even in uncertainty, right? It's, it's never a bad idea to say yes and see where the adventure takes you. Yeah. So you spent some time in Europe and then you decided to move back to Canada to do your doctorate of naturopathic medicine. Was there a gap in between there? What brought you home? Yeah, so I finished my PhD, so I did it in three years, which was pretty fast. Um, and towards the end, I knew I, w- I wasn't passionate about it. Like I had amazing supervisors and amazing team, but I could see how passionate they were about their work. And the thought of spending my life doing that focused research just made me want to shrivel up and die. <laughs> so. I was like, I want to find the thing that makes me feel like how they feel about this colorectal cancer research. Um, and then didn't didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was kind of toying with different jobs and different opportunities. And then my dad got really sick. So I handed in my PhD thesis. It was Christmas. I, I knew I kind of wanted to go home. Um, and I had mm. this idea, I'm going to stay in Europe one more Christmas just because I'm here. Why not? And I called home on Christmas Day to say Merry Christmas. And I could. that was the first time... I really felt my gut and my instincts kind of kick into gear and I just recognized that something was wrong and flew home on Boxing Day and my dad was really sick so um, my mom and I and my sisters took him to the hospital. Long story short, in two weeks he passed away so he had metastatic cancer that no one knew he had which is kind of a slap because I'd spent four years researching cancer and prevention and how could we not have seen this happening. Mm-hmm. So. Based on the experience that we had with him in the medical medical system, I just recognized that I wanted to do something different. I toyed with the idea of going to traditional medical school, but at the end of the day, the naturopathic medical philosophy just resonated as truth for me. And it was a huge commitment to go back to school for four years and the money and you know all my friends were having kids and buying houses. And I just decided that this was my thing. And... Mm-hmm. So yeah, a gap. There was probably about a year between finishing my PhD and starting that program just because of the processing everything that happened with my dad and getting the course requirements and moving back to Canada and mm-hmm. all of that jazz. And so as soon as you got to naturopathic school, did you feel like, ah, oh, this is my place? Or were you still a bit uncertain about jumping into a four-year program? That's a heavy commitment from what I understand. Yeah. So I wasn't burned out yet, surprisingly, after all that education, I was still very much on. It was, I, I, I tend to thrive on exams and like doing well. So I liked being back in that environment where I was being tested and yeah, um, it felt like the right place. Like the people, it felt like the friends that I made there, we all just aligned at the right time to be there at the right time together and help each other grow. So for the first two years or so, I would say I was really happy. I, I, I 
I thought that was my thing and that's where I was going. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming you enjoyed your four years there. Yeah, I enjoyed my four years for sure. Um, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So it's funny, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I call myself a researcher, but I didn't totally research what the job would entail when I finished it. So like, mm-hmm. I knew I loved the philosophy. I love natural health. I love medicine. I thought I could make a change in the profession um, with my research background, but I didn't actually sit down to think about what clinical practice would look like. So the closer I got to the end, the more I was like, uh oh, like this isn't exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know at one point you kind of wrote down, I forget where I read this, but you said you recognized that perhaps the purpose of your journey wasn't to become a doctor in the clinical sense. It was to awaken so that I could build my toolbox and share what it means to live an abundant life. And so it seems like you kind of recognize your gifts and you recognize too that in yourself, you maybe weren't the type to practice within four walls. And I find this to be such a visionary realization, right? Because oftentimes we enroll in these post-secondary programs or we go do a degree and we only see one destination and it's kind of like okay I'm gonna be a lawyer so I'm gonna practice law in a courthouse but even a podcast that we've aired previously with Darielle she ended up becoming a spiritual lawyer and really started paving this beautiful path that was so not traditional and I I really commend yourself and people who kind of can tap into the fact that maybe it's not your gifts to be in the traditional clinical setting in your case. And so at what point did you realize that you would likely take the learnings from naturopathic school, but create a different path from it? Yeah. Um, so I was really lucky in school to be able, I went on two global health trips. So I went to Nicaragua in second year and India in third year and again, just, just put myself in these positions and these clinics where people were living their true passion and helping people. And I just love travel so much and, and, and learning about just different cultures and um, knew I had to kind of figure out a non-traditional way just because I had to keep that in my life. And I guess it was in third year. I just, we have an, there was an amazing library at our college just full of esoteric books and all this wild, crazy stuff, crazy, quote unquote, crazy that I'd never experienced before. So I feel like, yeah, the purpose of me being at CCNM, which is our school was to find this stuff, was to experience this stuff. So I could learn it. And, um, I actually forgot the question. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I feel like we've just kind of been going full circle, but yeah, just kind of like what moment you knew that you weren't meant to practice as a traditional I guess a traditional naturopath, but you kind of did address that and did many other of the graduates take on more visionary paths or is this kind of like something that is not so common to do when you graduate? Yeah, I think it's not so common just because it's a huge investment. So it's four year program, $100,000 minimum. Um, It's it's a scary thing to say you're not going to practice and you're not going to get your license and what was the point of doing all that? And I'm just such a passionate believer in empowering people in their health. And I was really uncomfortable with the idea of people looking at me to fix them. 
and it's I'm not saying that all naturopaths are like that but that was just my personal feeling like I, I wanted to be that person that taught and mm-hmm. inspired and showed people how easy it could be to to tap into all this stuff and they didn't need all these medical degrees and and whatever so mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty uncommon still for people to not at least try practice <laughs> it's like yeah I didn't even try it I just knew from third year that I was going to take my clinical year and learn as much as I could and talk to as many people as I could and preceptor mm-hmm. as much as I could and just have that connection with people and then I was gonna make my own thing from it mm-hmm. and it's cool because one reason why I see you more so as a visionary because I feel as though you're you're just a few years ahead of the curve because we live in a global world right now and we have the ability to impact on global scales right through online mediums and through videos and all this and anyone who's practicing potentially in a more four-walled situation or you're sitting in an office only able to reach one person at a time we're actually limiting the power and the impact that we could potentially have on this planet and so yeah i mean what I would see in someone like yourself is that you are more of like a sky's the limit type person and there's so much that can be done and it doesn't need to be done in a traditional setting because your eyes maybe through your travel or through your life experiences have been open to the fact that there are a lot of people to help and there's a way to do that on a massive scale but it's a matter of tuning into your unique skills what it is you've learned through all this schooling you've done and then how you can basically spread that message to the masses. Yeah, and it's amazing. You know, I feel like sometimes the biggest impact I have on people is just being happy and being so comfortable with my decisions and trusting myself. Like I have people telling me all the time now, like you just look so happy and luminous and light and that's so inspiring. And it it just comes from owning my decisions and Mm -hmm. You know that's that's not even the work that I intend to do like I love sharing on natural health and like doing these bigger global things and having a global business but it's amazing just what being happy how that can inspire someone Mm -hmm. every day yeah and I think the reason why a lot of people admire your happiness and someone who is kind of glowing is because you are listening to yourself in all of these transitions. You're saying, you know what? My strengths don't lie here. They lie here. So I'm going to follow that. And maybe I still need to follow X, Y, Z. But we live in a world where it's so easy to think that, okay, I'm going to become this and I'm boxed in and I've got the pension and I'm going to be unhappy, but that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, totally. And part of this podcast is to really show people that, that's not life. That's not living. It's, you know, live a life that you want to live, not that you feel as though you have to live because we only put those constraints on, on ourselves. Or maybe we heard our parents talk about it, that we should, should, should. And so I think it's important to spread this message that it's important to get quiet and tune into what it is you're here to do and what you're good at and follow that rather than follow the the noise yeah. of the world. Yeah, and it's never too late. It's never too late to write your story and yeah, if you if if something makes you happy or you want to there's always a way to figure it out. Like I'm not, you know, I don't even like to think of myself as a super positive thinker cuz that's kind of trite now, it's kind of cliché. 
it's not even I think positive I just always there's if you want it there's a way to make it happen so mm-hmm. let's figure it out like let's yeah. figure it out and in every moment we have a decision decision to choose right yeah. so if you can choose a positive outcome or choose to be happy about an otherwise you know negative or sad moment in your life that has the potential to shift everything So as a naturopathic doctor, I know you're passionate about many modalities of health and healing. And outside of the modalities that naturopaths practice, I know you also yourself have worked with homeopathy and mediums and astrologers and tarot card readers and quantum physicists. So one thing I would love to know are these people that you consult with regularly or are these more one-time visits? Yeah, so that was all that happened kind of in my third and fourth year of school. I, I just swung to the total opposite side of the spectrum. I was like, okay, if I don't like this clinical science-based, evidence-based stuff, if it's not lighting me up anymore, then my answers must be over here. So I kind of just went all the way over there and I've kind of come back now. But um, I definitely did consult with all of those people trying to – Again, I was looking externally for these answers and not trusting that they were all from inside of me. So the most powerful stuff out of all of that has been um, the astrology for sure. I feel like astrology is just an amazing way to tap into yourself and to understand your own psychology and to not to use it as an excuse for why certain things happen or why you make certain decisions, but to be more gentle on yourself and to develop resilience around your flow and your rhythms. So astrology has been a game changer for me. Cool. And so as a practitioner yourself, for someone who's listening to this podcast and has never really worked with anyone in the realm of natural or spiritual health, and maybe they're feeling like unwell or have a couple ailments or they're confused and lost with their life's journey, do you have a starting point for someone like that? Is there some type of practitioner you refer them to that's interesting and what I love about naturopathic medicine and what drew me to it is because it's so individualized so I don't really have a you know an overall statement for that like I love talking to people one-on-one and just connecting them with the right person so if anyone's listening to this and wants like you know that's my gift to you like just email me tell me how you're feeling I know so many people that I could refer you to um but just getting clear of you know, are you spiritual? Does that make you nervous? Because if it makes you nervous, that's totally fine. There's so many people out there practicing a very evidence-based, natural way that can, you know, here's a supplement. You'll feel better. And you probably will. And like, if that's where you are right now, cool. But if you're ready to dive deeper into yourself and, you know, what you're really here to do on earth, um, I definitely know people that can help you with that as well. Awesome. Yeah, I would encourage people to reach out to you if they do have any questions. I know you obviously have a lot of experience with that. And those are some practitioners too, that I've been really wanting to dive into. So I think you've inspired me to go book a couple um, sessions, which is really exciting. So you mentioned that you were actually a little bit ashamed to be a PhD trained scientist and admit at one point that you were also believing in energy healing, spirit guides, and intuition. So can you kind of walk us through why you felt shame and how you overcame that? Yeah. Um, so I remember it was like my first week of naturopathic school. I was really gung ho. I was going to come in and, you know, do all this stuff. And we had 
you know, for the most part, our education was very evidence-based, but we had this one class, um, philosophy of naturopathic medicine or history of naturopathic medicine. And the professor comes in and he's a vet. He has two MD degrees, a PhD. I'm like, this guy is right up my alley. And the first thing he says was that he's going to talk about how dolphins come from outer space. And well, he didn't say that, but you know, dolphins come from Sirius and they were here to teach us love. And I'm just sitting there like, what is going on right now? Um, but it sparked something in me. It sparked something in me deep inside. And I went to the library that night and I, I looked up all these books he recommended and I, I had no idea this world existed. And it was hard because I told myself this story for so long that this is why I was going back to school. This is how I was going to practice. And then all of a sudden I was this, you know, how do you justify having, and this is my story. Like, this is what I mean by getting in your head and not, and just getting hung up on what you're telling yourself that, yeah, I thought it had to be black and white. I thought, you know, I have a PhD in epigenetics, which is basically molecular statistics and like um, really hardcore evidence-based science. How do I go from that to telling people that I believe that dolphins come from another planet? <laughs> um, so there's this shame around what if everything I've been living so far is a lie? How do I make this huge transition to this other side? Um, and it was just the fact that I wasn't living in alignment and integrity with myself and trying to kind of navigate that path. That's where that shame was coming from. So mm-hmm. I got out of it. I'm not there anymore. But at yeah. the time, it was really, really angsty for me. Definitely. I can totally imagine that because they are like conflicting worlds. Yeah. And oftentimes, you'll get two people in a room, one who is more scientifically trained and one who's more just listen to your body, go at the flow, tune into the universe. And that's it seems to be completely opposite camps right like they could probably go at it for hours saying like you're wrong no you're wrong and I don't think maybe you would have some insight neither is wrong no exactly it's what you embrace and what you believe to be true yeah 100 percent. and I, you know, I was getting all these opportunities given to me because of my PhD background and I think that's where the shame was coming in as well because I felt like I just I just wasn't living my truth but yeah 100 percent um there's so much we don't know as humans. And the more the more I learn, the more I'm comfortable with that. And I think just being open is my thing now. Like, um, yeah. Awesome. And to further your spiritual journey and I guess your evolution into that, you mentioned that your dad started visiting you in your dreams. Mm-hmm. And you knew with every fiber of your being that it was him. It wasn't your mind playing tricks on you. You would get chills. You would get tears in your eyes. And this must have been extremely transformative. So can you describe when this began and how that changed your perspective on things like spirituality? Yeah, so I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school my whole life. So that was kind of my doctrine Um, and got away from it when I went to university and I didn't, you know, have to do it anymore. So, you know, I was religious growing up but not very spiritual and... My dad passed away in 2011, and pretty much right away, the first dream I have, I remember it, there was a tsunami. I dream about water a lot, so there was a tsunami. My whole family was in it. My mom and my sisters and I, you know, came up, it was over, and my dad wasn't there. And my mom was like, where's dad? And I was like, oh, I'll go find him. So I went down under the water and came back up somewhere else, and it was just me and my dad. And I said, dad, like, I found you, like, come back. And he's like, no, I'm good, I'm here, I'm good. Tell them I'm okay. So I was like, okay. So I went back under and told my family, went back and I was like, mom, he's okay. He's good. And it was just, I woke up crying, but it was just very peaceful. And like, it's just, unless you've experienced it, it's hard to put into words, but 
it was just it was him it wasn't just this mind mm-hmm. thing you can't deny what you yeah felt. and it's it happened a few times since and it's usually when I'm feeling like I can't find the answer to something and it was profound also because my dad was British very stoic very proper I knew he loved me but might have heard him say it once in my life like I knew like very loving man but never wasn't comfortable saying those words and in my dreams he would just say like I love you you're doing amazing like keep going and it just kept, keep, kept me going because I knew that, you know, he's somewhere and mm-hmm. um, we're living for so much more and we have, s- there's so much beauty and other dimensions that we, we can't even understand yet and it just excites me so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got chills when you said that. It's so, so exciting. Yeah. And amazing to be able to tune into the dreams that you're having and to not just brush them off as if it's people say that was just a dream yeah and I, is I, it though <laughs> yeah and I, I I'm in my head a lot in the day I find it difficult to meditate so I find in my dreams is when when I talk to myself like when when answers come to me when I can quiet things enough that things come in and I download quote-unquote download things so yeah I try to take my dreams quite seriously mm-hmm. yeah it's such a beautiful realm to explore and yeah, furthering, exploring, and, and discovering the beauty that this world offers. You are a big traveler mm. uh, and have been many places, and obviously travel has played a big role in your life. So aside from living abroad, have there been any really impactful places that you've been, and are there destinations that you love? Yes. Oh, my goodness. So many. Um I went on a safari in Africa a few years ago to Kenya. That was magical. Just, you know, we go to the zoo and you see animals and they're segregated. And then all of a sudden you're looking out and there's a zebra walking right in front of a giraffe. And you're like, oh, like this is, you know, the world can live in balance and together. And it was just an amazing example of that. And um, Thailand, I had, you know, that I traveled to Thailand with one of my oldest friends. And it was just amazing experiencing that with someone who totally gets you. Oh my goodness, where else? Um, again, the development work I did with in Nicaragua and India, just I love now tr- more traveling with a purpose and more conscious travel. Um, yeah, I don't know. Those are amazing places. <laughs> I feel like those are four places that are absolutely all unique in their own ways and very adventurous. And so you mentioned just now conscious travel. What is conscious travel? Because I've heard this term and I feel like I'm shifting to more of a place of this as well. What would you define as conscious travel? Yeah, so I know there's been a lot of, you know, kind of blowback about like volunteerism. And I'm not talking about just going and volunteering somewhere and feeling good about yourself. But I just mean like consciously going to have an experience. Because I feel like what I'm learning more and more is that we're here on earth to have experiences and to connect with people and to feel things. So if I'm going somewhere, I want to go off the beaten track. I want to, you know, stay at an, stay at an Airbnb and actually have a host who knows the city and can show me um, secret places to go. So I went to Costa Rica this summer with a girlfriend, and we ended up at um, kind of like a speakeasy in San Jose. And it was in a really sketchy street we never would have gone down and had the best night of our life just because we felt so alive. And so we talked to the bartender for an hour. It was amazing. So... Places I can go that the nature will inspire me, the people will inspire me, that I feel 
I might be able to give back to in some way, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, just thinking about it, not just going to an all-inclusive and sitting on the beach and drinking all week. Yeah, it's so true. And I mean, there's so many places on this earth to discover, and we're fortunate that we have plane travel and things like that. And it's so cool to be able to explore someone else's home and their living conditions and Dave and I have had many we are backpackers at heart so we're always staying in different hostels and going to weird cities that are not touristy and our best memories are when we've just trusted and followed our instinct and you know as far as to when we were in Morocco we were just walking around this small little city and we were actually on our way to Casablanca which was a more popular town where we were flying out of and you know we had this stopover and it was definitely not a touristy city but we decided to go check out the market even though it was a bit intimidating we didn't speak the language we were being stared at a lot and we ended up walking through with a backpack that had a Canadian flag on it and you know of course some guy pulls us into his shop and we're like "Uh oh he's trying to sell us something but he's like I have family in Toronto and we just got chatting with him and of course most people who we tell this story to were like, why would you even like, you know, get into these conversations and who knows, you could have been lying to take advantage of you. But we really got this good feeling and he ended up inviting us over for lunch and he said, I'm going to pick you up here in four hours, like be sure to meet me. And so again, it's like, we're going to get on this motorcycle with a guy (laughs) we don't even know. And anyways, long story short, he takes us to his home It's very rugged, but they've cooked us this incredible tagine, um, a traditional Moroccan dish. He pours us a glass of chunky goat milk and is so proud of it. And we're like, oh, this is kind of weird. But, you know, we're choking it back. We're playing soccer with his kids. And forever that day will be one of the most experiential days of our life that we learned so much just about his family and what they're doing to make a living in, it's called El Jadida, Morocco. And I just think, you know, it's easy to resist those situations and think that everyone's going to take advantage of you and not go to their home because who knows, but trusting and following your intuition and being open to experiences like that, I think are more influential than any schooling or books we could read. Yeah. I agree with you and I think if you want to be a visionary and you have these ideas that you want to manifest you have to stay inspired you have to stay in that vibration of happiness not even happiness but just feeling alive and I feel like there's nothing like you know we went to Utah together but we didn't even meet each other yeah we didn't know we we were there together and I did a bit of a road trip after and you know sitting on this ledge overlooking this canyon in Utah with the sun setting against these red rocks and everything's just glowing and I just felt so alive and I just felt so, you know, that's in the moment for me. And it's just a reminder that you can create these experiences for yourself. And if you can create mm-hmm. that, you can create anything. And yeah, for me, that's, that's what I mean by like conscious travel. Like I want to put myself in those places on earth where I feel alive mm-hmm. because that just helps me with my creation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we can find those places anywhere really, but yeah, like if you're, if you're going to go to, for example, Salt Lake city where we both were, it's easy to just go eat at the pickle barrel and shop in the mall, but look around you. Like there are mountains, you can walk yourself out there. You could go check out a local restaurant that's off of the beaten path. And, and so for people listening, thinking, Oh, well I'm never in these like crazy exotic places. You can find 
incredible scenery anywhere in the world, right? It's just about having that adventurous spirit, I think, which definitely you have. And so that kind of leads me into one of our last topics today. And I want to chat about where you're at today, because we've talked a lot about where you've come from and, you know, the past 10 years of your life. So now you are in the industry of network marketing, and that's something that you and I share in common. And I feel as though you are totally rewriting what it looks like to be in this type of profession. And you're creating the most beautiful and aligned business model. And you're pursuing this without shame, right? And this is unconventional. So can you walk us through where you're at with your business and why it is you got into this? Yeah. So I wouldn't say I got into network marketing. I would say I got into into doTERRA and I think it's a, just you know if you're listening and you don't know doTERRA um, it's just this amazing heart-centered revolutionary company that just happens to use network marketing as its model and for me it's just been the perfect vehicle to bring all of my interests together like for so long I thought I want to do that but then I can't do that and it's just been this amazing opportunity for me to see that I can combine everything I love like travel um, living at the beach inspiring people, motivating people, writing, um, science, whatever, it all just fits together perfectly. So yeah, I'm building my business. Like I help people with their health. I help people with their business. Um, and again, it's a vehicle. It's not the only thing I do. So it's opened up so many other opportunities for me with other brands, with other companies. I'm writing a book. I'm starting up my own podcast. Um, it's been an exercise in trust and, um, as you know, it's kind of a business that grows exponentially. So the, the beginning can be like, what am I doing? I have no idea. But now everything's kind of coming together and it's just so inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very true. And I do, I see this business as a, a test of your patience and your practice. And you have to respect that with any business, not network marketing, not just brick and mortar, it takes time to grow, right? And we have to go through all the stages of launching and figuring out what works and what doesn't. And we can't quit on ourselves because, you know, pretend like you signed a two-year lease. It's going to take you all two years to get your clients in the door and to retain them and to make enough money to pay off your lease and every equipment you've invested in. With this beautiful doTERRA business model, the same thing right we have to lay the framework and yeah it's just such an incredible abundant company and so much more than selling that's that's what I just try to tell people I'm like it's a lifestyle it's Mm -hmm. it's the way of the future it's I'm all over consciousness right now it's like conscious travel conscious business yeah um and yeah it just it forces you into like into your leadership and like what you're really here to do and yeah that's what I love about it is because it can take on many different perspectives and many different um it can look a lot of different ways right the way you choose to build your business is a direct reflection of what you've learned over the last 10 years and what you can offer to every single person who's interested in essential oils or in doTERRA and it's so unique that anyone who decides to work with you gets this coaching model with it as well and gets to learn Um, all that you've learned and so it's really neat to watch what you are creating and how you are reinventing the wheel essentially yeah no it's very cool and um, so in addition to essential oils 
You mentioned also that you're currently enjoying things like moon cycles and intuitive wisdom. Do you combine that with essential oils or? Yeah, so what I've kind of shifted into very recently, so with any business, like it evolves. Like how I started isn't what I'm doing right now and I'm sure in two years will be totally different, but I'm really trying to be this bridge between spirit and science and it's really bringing all of my experience into it. So, you know, I, I have, I support my people with their health. Like if they have digestive problems, okay, let's work on it. But, you know, have you tried also using your oils to tap into the moon cycle and, you know, set your new moon intention and, you know, use the, the power of aromatherapy to reset your brain that way. Mm-hmm. So getting people who might not have traditionally tapped into that side of things, but who trust me because I've supported them in a very grounded scientific way to go there. And I mm-hmm. feel like when people start going there, their life really changes. And that's mm-hmm. what I, I'd love to do. Well, if you ever teach a workshop on this kind of stuff, <laughs> I think you should. I think there's definitely a demand for topics like this and the marrying of things like moon cycles and oils and natural health and that. So something that I keep hearing about lately and I'm looking to learn more about it. I think that'd be a hot topic for okay. a Toronto workshop. I'm making so. a mental note. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so let's end this off. I love something that you wrote on your blog. You said the future is bright, our world is bright, and quantum leaps start with tiny changes. That is like my life philosophy, so that's why it rang true. So what are some tiny leaps that our visionary listeners can make today or tomorrow to quantumly improve their life? Oh, man. This could take on many things. Yeah, I'm just... I think... Even just writing down what you want, even if it sounds totally unrealistic, just make a list and put it somewhere, you know? That's, that mm-hmm. sets the intention into the universe. Also, just actively choosing who you're going to hang around. So, you know, if you really don't want to go out for coffee with that person, don't go. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the most powerful for me has just been learning to say no because it opens up so many more opportunities to say yes to what I really want to do. So... Um, yeah, drinking water and quitting sugar. <laughs> like, Those lots are of big four things. Four amazing recommendations. Yeah. I was like, see if you can drink one more glass of water today and have one more less thing of sugar and um, see how different you feel in a mm. week or so. And make a list and say no more often. Yeah. I'm so on board with all of that. Well, Laura, thank you for being on the podcast today. And I admire the visionary life you're creating. And I know that it's going to impact a lot of people. So, Thanks for coming over. Thank you so much. I loved it. That's it for this episode with Laura. Isn't she incredible? I've said it before and I'll say it again, but Dr. Laura Hughes is the epitome of a visionary, not afraid to listen to her inner voice and to let it guide her and to change directions radically and not let the outside noise of the world stop her and she's an example of someone who steps so deeply into who she's here to be that the whole world is going to be impacted by this woman she's a living example that science and spirit can be intertwined so beautifully so if you want to learn more about dr laura hughes you can go to www.drlaurahughes.com Dot com or go to her Instagram, Dr. Laura Hughes. As always, I'd love for you to join my insiders community. Just search Visionary Life on Facebook and request to be added to the group. I share tons of content 
unique to that group inside. And if you could take a moment, rate, review this podcast on iTunes. You guys know I send a beautiful essential oil blend and a visionary love note to every single person who leaves me a rating and a review. So once you do that, just take a screenshot of it and send it to me through Instagram or through the contact page on my website and you will get something, a little bit of snail mail from me. So that's it. I hope you have a visionary day and I'll talk to you soon.